Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following is a presentation of the SpeedSport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his dues in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battles for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. So, I mean, I was doing it all myself. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services out of Clements, Maryland. HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Today's guest, three-time champion of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series 2013-2014 and 2019, which he competes full-time in, driving the number 88 Toyota Tundra for Thor Sport Racing. Couple of Cup Series races, handful of Xfinity races, but in the trucks, Mike, 511 races over 23 years, 15 wins, 307 top 10s, and 16 poles. First NASCAR win, the 2008 North Carolina Education Lottery 200, right in our backyard at Charlotte Motor Speedway. In the early days, cut his teeth in go-karts, midgets, and mini sprints. Began his go-kart career at age seven. He's one of those guys. One of those uh, seasoned veterans at He's eight. He's a California native, but we won't hold that against him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Crafton, say hi to Mike Wallace. <laughs> How are you guys doing? We're doing good, Matt. How are you today? Hope everything's going well. Did you have a good weekend at Nashville, I seen? Uh, we're okay. We, 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 we were a little off, but we, we stole the top 10 out of it, so we'll... 
move on and move on the next one. We have two more so playoffs, so time yeah. to get our stuff together. It's amazing. I was looking at your top ten finishes, dude. You got like a sixty percent average of top tens from your start. So incredible, great, great, great. That's Hall of Fame numbers there. And you came up through the pack too. I mean, that was a you earned that <laughs> top ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, as bad as we were off. Yeah. As bad as you were off. You've had those days, right, Mike? Oh. You're like, man, that thing was tough to drive, and we, we top tens to win some days. Yeah, Matt, you know as well as I do and more than I do because you're staying current at it. When those trucks or cars drive really good, it makes them simple to drive. But when they drive bad and you pull out a top, top ten, you go, I worked my guts out inside <laughs> that truck, you know, or the car, just driving and but uh, when they're on, they're on. But, uh, hey, the excitement about this show that we love is everybody thinks they know you, right? All your fans think they know everything about Matt Crafton. I thought I knew everything about Matt Crafton, Jeff. Well, I'm I, getting ready to learn a lot about Matt Crafton. I thought I Matt Crafton was from Wisconsin. <laughs> Here he's from right? California. <laughs> You're thinking of Matt Kenseth. <laughs> no, no, really, no. I For some reason, I just, I don't know. I For all these years, I thought Matt was... A Wisconsin guy because he come he ran good right out of the box and all them guys from Wisconsin. So ran you good were getting right ready to talk about all your Midwest stuff. I got to talk right. about some cheese and some beer. It's <laughs> bar oh, on yeah, the corner. Don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> so Matt, how about you? I'm, I'm far from it. Yeah. How about you taking us back into time and let's start with who Matt Crafton was before Matt Crafton. We know what what first got your interest in motorsports. Uh, my dad he raced and just like a lot of us and our dad raced and. Actually, raced go karts and raced micro midgets, and then went from micro mini sprints to racing asphalt uh, late models, and took over my dad's ride when he got hurt, and then never gave it back to him. Hmm. Oh wow, that's a heck of a deal! So, and you, you started out in the West Coast. What what part of the West Coast did you start, or where did you start racing at? Uh, I, Central Coast. I'm, I'm from Tulare. I'm a rural small city. Um, I, I raced the, the Featherlight Southwest Tour, was what it was called back then, and like, Kurt Bush came from it, Ron Hornaday, Rick Corelli, Dan Press. Uh, there, there, was, there was some pretty pretty good drivers came out of the way. Yeah, I used to, uh, Rick Corelli was the first driver that I'd met from what I call the West. He was from Colorado, and they, right. he used to come to a little racetrack called I-44 Speedway in Lebanon, Missouri. But I remember and that it, name, he, so he must have he, raced somewhere around the uh, He's the, the hype. Coast was known as the High Plains ah, Drifter. That's it. <laughs> He's one of them guys that had the first cool but side he went, name. he went to the truck series then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay, gotcha. He's been around, won a lot of races, and uh, unfortunately got hurt in a truck, but he, he does a lot of spotting now. So as you were growing up, and you, as everybody says, kind of brought, brought up around my dad, was that something you'd like to do, or was this there was nothing else to do because dad was racing and you were kind of encompassed in it at that time? Oh, I loved, I mean, I loved and lived for, for racing. And um, it, dad, I think, would have rather me pick up golf clubs and learn how to do that and be better at it than, than racing because it was a lot cheaper. Yeah, what, but I uh, loved it. So I went with him a lot and I did go karts and started racing my shows when I was 15. Mom made me a fake birth certificate so I could start early that year. And we, we had a lot of fun growing up and doing it. Yeah, so early in your career as you were growing up, did you have success right away, or were you just out there having fun and success came down the road? I think I think we did all right and pretty pretty quick. I mean, Southwest Tour was pretty tough. Our, my first year, I didn't win a race. Second year, I won a race. And third, and then the fourth year, we won the championship and got a full time truck ride. So 
Yeah, so you, and I was uh, kind of meaning in your go-kart days, but three years of a uh, tour race and then a truck ride, I'd say you escalated your career <laughs> pretty along quick. pretty quickly. <laughs> that, was, that was, like, pretty amazing. So when you, how did you come about getting your first truck ride? What was the, you win the Southwest Tour Championship, and for everyone that's listened, that's a late model series, what we call super late models in this part of the country, um, back ASA-style cars, but on the West Coast, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. So the right NASCAR days used to have the Slim Jim All Pro Series, uh, Midwest, Southwest Tour, and Northwest Tour, and it was all in the exact same rule book. So it covered the whole basically U.S. You could go race one of those cars in NASCAR sanctioned series. Um, we it was unbelievable the amount of cars that we used to have, and just incredible. So we're like to Phoenix, we remember we had seventy five cars. You know there. We're set on the pole there with 75 cars. I mean, Kenny Schrader used to come there. there there was a bunch of the, the big shots that they're cool to race against them. Wow. Tell me, uh, we'll stay right there in the Southwest Tour Series for a minute, and everybody's got to have at least one. Uh, is there some highlight moment that you had, other than winning the championship, that you had with a driver or a big controversial moment? You know, you mentioned those five or six guys that, like yourself, have went on to, to do well in NASCAR racing. Is there anything fun or that was bad that stuck out to you at that time? <laughs> I, I remember getting into it because in 1999, Kurt Busch won the championship in 2000. I won it, but Kurt and I were kind of rivals a little bit. We were the, the young little punks of the series, I guess. I'm going to call it back then. Uh, he, he wrecked me a little short track, and I, I, I was got to his window net, and I was trying to hit him, and they were trying to drag me out of there. But, but and now we, it's kind of funny because now we're good friends. So. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> we, good. We, we I was going to say, it's, it's so shocking that you got wrecked by one of the Bush brothers. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, yeah. we, we must have something in common. Maybe this is why we didn't both like him for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they've matured. Kirk's matured the most, I'd say. I agree. Yeah, I think he's done a great job, and, and that's good. But this is all about you. So Matt Crafton wins the Southwest Tour Championship, and then how does a truck ride come about? I mean, uh, back in that era, has had to be different than today because today you would have had to have a huge checkbook to follow you along. So how did it happen then? Oh, yeah, we, we didn't have anything. My dad spent everything he had, and we worked for had an automotive shop. Um like 5,600 square foot to work on street cars during the day and then our, our race cars at night. Um, I, I won, I said once race that year, won the championship, and I'll never forget, people started getting my parents' phone numbers. I didn't have a cell phone back then. I had a pager. I mean, that's how I guess the show's my age. Um, started getting voicemails on my parents' uh, house phone and getting calls from Duke and Rhonda Thorson. There was another team that called left voicemail and I started flying and interviewing with them. I had never flown. I mean, we'll put it that way because all the races I'd been to, we drove to. We had a 1988 uh, Southwind motorhome with a 24-foot feather-like trailer that we raced out of. So we didn't fly to any of them. Didn't have that luxury. Gotcha. So Duke and Ron Thorson are their Thor Sport team. They just up and called you and said, hey, uh, you won a championship or we'd like for you to come drive our truck. How's that work? Um, back then they actually used to have, uh, driver scouts and they hired somebody named was Tim Stevens. He had hired, uh, Kenny Irwin, Kevin Harvick. I remember Tim. I, I drove IRP for them one time. 
Yeah, okay. Maybe he was yep. scouting you. Yep. Mike. Yeah, I didn't do too good. So. <laughs> <laughs> Probably why I didn't get a return call. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Yeah, so Duke, Duke actually hired him to go find him the next driver. Terry Cook was right for him at the time. Terry was getting a new ride, so they said, uh, find us a driver that can go win this race, win this championship. So I went and met with Duke, and he was an amazing businessman. He had a great vision of what he was going to do and how he was going to do it and he told me how he was going to do it and I, I just i remember shook his hand and gave me a letter of intent back then and i was like oh my god it's crazy but he said well, i'm going to grow this like a business i think all my businesses i have have done pretty well and they're, they're growing i'm not going to go broke doing it i'm going to grow it 10 percent every year if we call it that and we know you win races we know you win championships if you want to do that with us you'll be our driver until you until you want to be then which is pretty cool so, and then that happened but what year so what year did you hook up with thor sport racing so at the end of 2000 i called in the national Pluto, ohio and met with him on it and then he called me like a few weeks later and said hey um our driver wants to quit early and go start driving for uh keselowski the the keselowski family at that point so that you want to go run Fontana. So I'm like, well, sure. So I went and, and raced Fontana. Not much of a, a board to put you on. You might just go in nowadays and race on the late model, and I'm going to go race Fontana, two-mile racetrack. So we qualified about 17th and finished ninth that day. And, and, and the rest is history, really. So so I got to ask you a question. Is this is shows about you entirely, but – Tell me just a little bit about Duke and Ron DeThorson. And the reason I say that, they are only the only driver, or excuse me, the only ownership group that I have never met in my life. I couldn't tell you what they look like if they walked in the door. And the few yeah, times early in my career, I kept trying to ask for the man at the racetrack, and they go, oh, he's not here, and whatever. What uh, what kind of guy is he? What's he, what's he do? What, what got him? Do you have any idea what got him interested in racing? And uh, it's just, yeah. he's like the mysterious car owner to me. <laughs> uh, he's to, to this day, he's never sat on a pit box. He's never one time sat in a pit box. He watches all the races from the grandstands. He'll usually show up about 30 minutes before a race every great once in a while. I mean, once out every three years, you'll see him, he'll watch a practice or qualifying. It's like a unicorn seeing one. Um, he, he's just, he's like the most honest best person you'll ever meet is in these a race owner as you know there's so many of them out there they're going to tell you and going to sell you the world and give you the world and and they they fall short we'll just put it that way right mike um so yeah he's it's funny so many people always say the exact same thing what does he even look like who is he he's and actually the new series director met him this weekend coming out of the grandstands and saw him at the bottom of the grandstands and knew who he was, but had never really been introduced to him. And that's how he got to meet him coming out of the grandstands in Nashville. Wow. That's amazing. What, what, I mean, he, does he, does he like racing, enjoys racing or uses it for a business aspect or all of the above? He, he loves it. Loves racing. So in 1995 or 96, or I know he started in 96. So, him and his wife were going to get married and went to do it in Indy. And 
they, those are truck racers, NASCAR super truck race and IRP. So they went in the stands and watched. And he's like, you know what? I think we can afford to do this. We should buy one of these. And Terry Cook to be our driver because Terry Cook's father-in-law, I think he used to work for Duke and they knew he raced late models. And we buy one of these and get us a truck and trailer and have enough people and we'll, we'll go truck racing. And that, that's literally how they went and watched setting stands and watch your first truck race and get it from there. Well, that's amazing. And please pass on to him. I admire what he's done in the sport, even though I don't know who he is. And, uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations. Uh, so you, you've got, when you started, you've ran that first race out in Fontana, California, and you had a, a nice finish, finished ninth out there, first race. Assume nothing got tore up because you wouldn't have finished ninth otherwise, right? Not necessarily, yeah, yeah, but yeah. 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 Was that, now that, that, that had to be a big change for you from running a tour car somewhere or, say, Phoenix on a mile to going to a two-mile racetrack. What did you think about that oh, yeah. experience? That, that was one, one hell of an experience, <laughs> to say the least, to go 185, 190 mile hour down the corner and and, and drive it in as deep as you can do it. So Phoenix, you run 150, 150 in late mile. So it's definitely a lot of difference, especially the weight. I've only raced late model at least 2,400 pounds with driver. And the trucks were 3,400 without the driver. So getting used to that, never been on a radial tire. And learning aero a little bit when people sit on your door and you always heard about being aero tight or doing this and somebody packing air up from behind you and you getting loose and experienced all of it in that real short time. Now, let me ask you this. The first time you say you're going faster in the trucks than ever before, the first time you go screaming into turn one at 190 miles an hour, what is that like? What do you say to yourself? Holy! <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it gets your attention, without a doubt. But when you're out there by yourself, I, I honestly don't feel that you're you're going as fast as you really are. Still today, it doesn't. Until every once in a while, if you look up there at the, the, at the fence, you realize how fast the fence is going by. Then you realize, yeah, I'm really I'm really hauling the mail here. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm just realizing 2000. You said it was 2000. You run California, right? I was going to say, I, <clears throat> I raced against him then. I was at California in 2000, driving yeah. for Jimmy Smith, driving the two truck. Well, who got the better of who? I don't know. I don't remember it. I hit <laughs> well, the wall too many damn times. We'll have to look up some stats, <laughs> racing references here. But how about we hold this thought, Matt? Jeff's going to take us to break. We'll come right back and pick up from Fontana. Outstanding. Perfect. We're talking to Matt Crafton. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. This is Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Today, three-time champion of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, Matt Crafton joins us once again. Here's Mike Wallace. Well, Matt, we picked up, we were uh, talking about 2000, <clears throat> Fontana, California. You finished ninth out there. And at that point, did you know that you were going to continue to drive for uh, Thor Sports at that time? Did you have a, a, we'll just call it another year contract or a multi-year agreement at that point? Yeah, yeah. So at that point, I, I signed the deal and we agreed to what I was going to do for the next three years. And I, I was going to start and I was going to move back. That was September, if I'm not mistaken. We finished September, October. And we and I moved, I was moving to Ohio at the end of or in December. 
I got I got to ask you. Uh, this is to have humor, okay? If you mm -hmm. don't mind. Yeah. So I did this. I've known Carl Edwards for years before he ever become a full time driver. So when you sign that contract, and um, Kenny Schrader and I were together, and I got to tell the story, and then I'm going to ask you about yours. So <laughs> Schrader and I are together, and Carl Edwards tells him about this contract he's got with Jack Roush, and he asked Schrader, should he sign it? And Schrader says, well, I, I probably would compare it to the other contract that you have before you sign it. And Carl Edwards goes, I don't have another contract. <laughs> he says, then sign the damn thing. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. So how, how about Matt Crafton? Did you have an option or was when you did that was your contract that you had? I mean, it, it, it's, I, I had an option. Okay. I had an option. I can say yeah, it was in it was with a pretty pretty reputable team at that point but i just really really liked duke and i mean everything he told me and he was one hell of a salesman we'll put it that way and I, i'm not complaining about it because it's been one heck of a good ride with him oh man i'll tell you what i admire you you've i think you've only drove what i could tell for maybe one other team that we'll get in in a few minutes here but uh so you ended up moving to ohio for their race team and they are one of the very few race teams that are not located in the quote, Charlotte region, North Carolina region. They're up in, what is it, Sandusky, Ohio? Sandusky, Ohio. So so tell the world that has no idea where Sandusky is and what goes on in Sandusky, Ohio, other than Thor Sports. Uh, they have an amusement park, an unbelievable amusement park. Uh, if you're in the roller coaster, I think it's, they used to have the, the world's tallest and fastest roller coaster. I don't know if it still is. I'm sure there's something beaten now, but they had built something I remember back in the day that beat went to the next one. So they have one heck of a amusement park on Lake Erie, really, really big lake, a bunch of islands out there to go have a good time on. I went to that friends. when I was a kid. Uh, Did you? Yeah. I've been there. The, the Cedar Point? Yeah. Cedar Point. My, yeah, very, very uh, cool. I had a friend when I was in high school that uh, lived in the Cleveland area. They lived in North Olmstead, Ohio. And, um, and so they had a boat. They kept it down there. So we went out on the boat, and then we went spent uh, one day at Cedar Point too. So yeah, I must there. have lived a really weird, screwed up, sheltered life. You were too busy racing. racing cars in the Midwest. I mean, all you guys do cool <laughs> stuff, and I just tried to be a race car driver. You know. <laughs> so when you moved to Sandusky, did, uh, for the team there, did you just get yourself an apartment. You live with somebody. You bunked on their bed. Everybody's got an early story uh, of their life. I took a kid that used to work with me at school with me uh, all through grade school, and he, he worked in my late models with me. He, he moved back there with me, and he got homesick after the first year. He moved back, and uh, I, I got a condo with well, I was called my ex-wife at that point and lived there for two more years. And then I drove somebody else or another place, about the greener, grass was greener on the other side, but... Uh, Sandusky is actually a very, very cool spot until about November, until <laughs> November, till I'll call it February. It's not too great of a spot because I'm from California, uh, Central California. Put it this way, when I moved back there January 1 is when I took off driving and I think about it, I had never seen it snow in my life. I, I, like, I went to the mountains and saw snow, but I'd actually never seen it snow. When I drove into town, it was snowing. I, this California boy didn't have a clue how to drive in the snow. Next day, I, mean, I put it off in the ditch twice. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
that. See, that's good, good dirt track training. (laughs) Yeah, I I learned really quick you need to start slowing down a lot sooner in the snow. So luckily I had a four-wheel drive. I bought a four-wheel drive because I'd never had a four-wheel drive until I moved back there. But I I quickly got a four-wheel drive after that. So you, uh, you're you in Sandusky. You're driving for Thor Sports. How long? You said you went to somewhere else. How long did you first drive for Thor Sport? Uh, three years. I, I, I drove for Duke and Ronda for three years. And um, I came from California where Kevin was. And we, we were friends racing go-kart stuff together. His dad actually crew chief. My dad a little bit whenever my dad raced late models. And Kevin was going to start his full-time truck team. So... He raced it here and there, had a couple trucks, and then we went, said, hey, I want you to be my driver. You want to do it? And great, great sponsor, great opportunity, and good bridge for the sponsor. Went and did it, and um, I learned a lot, a lot that year. We finished fifth in points. We, we went winless that year, but it was, we we ran well. I think I finished fifth, and Carl Edward fourth in points, and he was with the Roush deal. And, and just... Kevin and I were friends, but we weren't meant to work together. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, well, that happens in the sport a lot, right? Sure, I mean, happens oh, in oh, life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of <laughs> – I've uh, told my older brother this, uh, Rusty, that he was a great race car driver, but he's a horrible owner. You know, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, just well, look at Michael Jordan. He, he, was a, he was the greatest basketball player of all time. He's a horrible owner. Yeah. He is. So, so it's different, but uh, things go on. So – you, you had that experience, uh, which was nice, that you, you went to think drive for your buddy, kind of a hero in the world or race world at that time. That didn't work. That's what that's why they make other options. And uh, <laughs> yep. did you go somewhere else, or were you able to go back to Thor Sport? So Duke and I literally, I, I still, to, to this day, we pretty much talk every day, or minimum every other day, just about life in general or anything or everything we talk about. And... Throughout that year, whenever I was driving for Kevin, I still talked to him every week, every other week, and and we communicated. And always kept communications, and I knew it was going south, and I told him it might be going south, and might be looking for a deal again. And he said, "Well, you're you're, you're always welcome back here, and you always got a spot back here." And so once people found out that I was leaving Harvard, I had a lot of really, really, really good opportunities, uh, and contracts were given to me. And I'm like, you know what? I wasn't too big on this this team owner stuff down here down south and had such a bad taste in my mouth and working for Duke and Rondor so amazing. I said, I'm going back there. And everybody, there was a lot of people like, what are you doing going back there? Because at that point, we're still growing as a team. And I, I remember meeting with Duke after that. He said, what do we need to do to improve this program? And I, I gave him a list of 10, 15 different things. And he says, how about this? We'll, we'll get and do two or three every year off this list to keep improving this program and we, we finished thinking it was eighth or ninth in points the following year and just kept building on it and got a pro race motor program better and then we started winning races and then winning championships is that in regards to that race team and uh it sounds as though you have input with the owner you gave him a list of things and he says give me some time i'll take and do a few things every year uh, are you still actively involved in the team other than the driver? I mean, do you give input at the shop and or to the ownership group? Or, or do you visit the race shop in Sandusky? You live up there? You live in somewhere else now? What do you got going on? I, I live in Mooresville, North okay. Carolina. Now, like when I, I moved down here to work with Kevin, I, I, and he, I, 
talking about moving back up there. He's like, listen, you don't have to be back up here. You don't have to work on. That's not your job. You come up here and and visit and do that. And I think it's really a good thing not being at your shop every day. Go, go there once, twice a week, if that much, and and see the guys. And it makes your your visit more welcome. Then you don't just become one of the guys that's just a a pain in the butt every day to deal with. Let me, so, let, me let me ask your opinion on that, Matt. I, I'm glad you brought yep. that up. So, do you think at times, you know, back when I was first racing and early on, I said, oh, you need to get close to your team. They need to know who you are. And I I, I, got, I tried that, but I think it hurt me. Do you, do you Absolutely. Think, you know, I, I think yes. you got to where, I don't know, it just, it was you better just to be a driver. You know, you just needed to give your opinion and walk away instead of being in there trying to make everybody happy all the time. Yes, yeah, you become one of them, and I, every, as we know, every race team's got its issues, and everybody always sees the grass or green on the other side. This guy has these parts, this guy has this parts, and you always hear the negatives. You don't always hear the positives, all the good stuff that you do have, and it'll weigh on you as a race car driver, as you know, and it'll get negative in your head, and you don't need all that, the negative publicity, we'll call it, of what we don't have or what we should have or and it, it'll it'll beat you up as a race car driver. So you need to go in there each and every week and know you got the best stuff and you got the best owner, you got the best guys, and they're pumped up to see you every week. And like I said, you go there just a little bit. But you when you do go there, you go to lunch with them, you hang out with them for a little bit, and then you leave. So it'll definitely wear you, wear you down in a negative way. Actually. And that's cool, the, the relationship between driver and, and the guys at the shop. But what about the relationship between the driver and the crew chief? Is that more crucial? You know what I mean? Yes, oh, absolutely. I mean, you definitely got to talk to the crew chief a lot. And you got to talk to him, I mean, every day, every other day. Uh, my old crew chief that we had so, so much success with that we won pretty much all the races with and Ohio and won the three championships with Junior Joyner. He was based my crew chief in 2000 yeah, on my late model as well. And then he came, started building shop for us. And then he got the opportunity to be crew chief in 2012. Says, no, we, we need to make a change here. We're gonna, we need to, we're, we're, we're stagnant. So who do you want to get? And I said, let's, let's give Junior the opportunity. You think he's ready? I said, absolutely. I mean, we worked on a lot, a lot of race cars, built a lot of really good race cars and our communications unbelievable and we've always believed in each other so he moved from bakersfield california to, to ohio 2012 was the first truck year and then 2013 was our second year together we won a race we won a championship 2014 won two ish races i think it was won a championship then 2015 we were together again we won six races that year and came up short on the championship in 2016, we, we were two in a row, finished second on the third one, and then our shop burned down in 2016. And that put a put a hell of a damper on everything. We're just trying to get everything built when you're not in your shop anymore for a while. Hey, stop there just for a second, and we got two minutes left yep. in this segment. But please explain that shop burning down, our burn catching on fire. I remember that. I actually called and offered your team a shop here in North Carolina to use if they needed something in the interim just to help out, and they said they had everything. But what? tell the world what happened. And that was a new race shop, a really fancy place, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that, that team owner, if, if you seen, you see it now, and you're like, oh, my God, this place is just unbelievable. It's 100,000 square foot, 50,000 upstairs, and half of the, the downstairs basement is low granite. It's up. 
and literally somebody would been was smoking a cigarette and flicked it out on the little back patio and it caught the mulch on fire and later on that evening and that's how the shop ended up part of it burned out so we were out of it for I don't know how many months I would say majority of the whole year we were out of it and so it was really cool to see everybody in Sandusky with open arms say hey I've got my shop here I've got this spot in my shop I think we ended up moving the race teams I think it was seven eight different shops throughout Sandusky Ohio so your pull down rig was in this area you had part of this team over here you had your fab shop over here and all these people like you did opened up i mean hey we, we got a spot for you we'll help you out and to to be able to go and rebuild it at that point duke had, had the insurance money i mean that, that was kind of the hang like oh he might just pull the plug out of here i mean he's got his insurance money out of the deal i mean you could just say hey i'm done <laughs> and, uh, I, i'm out you're like oh damn i gonna lose everything no nope. you know duke did he he built it back better and bigger and put more glass and just did everything and uh, up to Annie on all of this stuff. So probably one of my hardest, I won't call the losses in, in my life was 2016. I it was between Johnny and I, whoever beat who in 2016. And I beat him all race, all race. And probably 20 to go. We put fuel or we only we put tires on our homestead and just put a little bit of fuel to be able to make it to the end green white checkered and when we did we were out there on low air pressure and we got all over the splitter and he passed me at 11 to go to lose the championship so i would say that was probably one of the hardest things today i've lost because like i said you wanted to win it for for duke and ronda for what, what they just went through that year and built that race shop back for us to have a shop to work out of and doing it again for us well let's take a break let's hold our thought right there we'll come back and Follow up with that uh, that heartbreaker at Homestead. Indeed, we're talking to three-time Truck Series champion Matt Kraft, and you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. This is Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance and repair, Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. We're talking to Truck Series three-time Truck Series champion Matt Crafton. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Matt, we just come off uh, what you said was probably one of your hardest losses or kind of devastating. The race shop at Burn Up. You guys were close to winning a championship. You were going to be excited to uh, reward Duke and Ronda Thorson with a championship, and it didn't happen. Um, and that's just racing, unfortunately. And But oh, yeah. from that point on, I mean, tell me right or wrong, you, you have drove for that team ever since, correct? No, absolutely. Yeah, I've been with them since I left that one year and got the grass green on the other side. But it was a good thing that I, I left because I learned a lot, and they opened – all of our eyes up with Duke as well. Uh, and when I came back from 2005, I've been with him since. So, so when that happens, and I, man, congratulations, because uh, as Jeff and I started this show, we all have that experience where somebody calls you or sends you a note and says, it's just business. Don't take it personally. It's just business, well, yeah. but, but we need to make a change. And uh, you haven't had to make a change except on your own choice. So that's way cool. Does the race team, and I'm assuming they do because you've been there this long, but do you give 
your input without it being requested uh, throughout the year? Or you just say, you know what, I'm the race car driver. I'm just going to do what they do or, you know, what my job is and shut up and keep my job. <laughs> How's that work in your world? No, I, I definitely am a part of the, well, not somewhat the day-to-day. When Junior was there until he left being full-time crew chief last year, we, we talked every day, multiple times a day, and we, we had ideas of building stuff. And when I was in California, we, we used to build our own late model frame, built the chassis, and get fixed tubing and built it all. So we had ideas, and we, we bounced stuff off of each other, and we believed in each other. That's what made us as, as successful as we were from the time we were together. So I had a lot of input throughout the years. So Junior Joiner, uh, first of all, was Junior his name or was that a nickname? No, it was a name, Junior. Okay. You know, old story. You, you seen, I've seen him on TV, seen him on interviews, but don't know that I've ever said hello to him. So uh, kind of a, a strange deal. But uh, from that point, You've now junior joiner has been your crew chief for many years, and I assume something's changed. He's he's no longer there, or no longer crew chiefing, or yeah, no, he's no longer there. He's going to do I think I don't know a handful, two, three, four races with with solder this year, and it wasn't. I mean, junior wished he could do it full time, but he moved back to California. He had uh, two kids, and he wants to go racing with his kids. He wants to do the family stuff, and I, I can't blame him at all. I've got two kids as well, and I, I love going racing with my daughter every week. So that's where his family's from, and his dad lives out there. His wife's parents are out there, so they wanted to raise the kids around all their their family. So he he moved back. Honestly, I think he's been back there since 2017. Okay, and he literally has went back and forth every week to the races, to the race shop and pull the truck down the day before they would leave and then had truck sheets that would go and do everything. And the guys, um, we, and finally, dude's like, enough's enough. You, you, we got to get you through, chief, that we can be here a little bit more, and he needs to focus on building his business out there. He has a asphalt kill, steel coating company, and that's that he needed to keep that growing as well. Now, that's kind of unique, asphalt seal coating. That, that's part of the business that your owner has, correct? A seal coating yeah. manufacturing yeah, business he, or something? Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, he owns Sealmaster. They make uh, number one pavement maintenance product in, in the U.S. So they're, they have franchises. And then my actually my crew chief, oh, crew chief junior, had, had got one of the franchises and does it there in Bakersfield, California. Oh, well, cool. Well, you had mentioned a junior moved to California to spend time with his family at the racetrack and do different things. I uh, so conveniently met you, uh, or ran into you, I shouldn't say met you, no, ran into you at a cool little dirt track back in Missouri a few weeks ago, Tri-City Speedway, and you you were there with your family racing. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, I have my dirt car. I do some dirt racing. My daughter, she does some, some racing as well. She was there and raced at uh, Tri-City Speedway in the infield they raced, and the, the, the modified late models raced at the big track on the outside. Um, and then we raced a lot at we Millbridge with my daughter, and she absolutely loves it. So she's she's addicted. She, she's got the bug for sure. So that's all she talks about. We're, we're racing this weekend, our off weekend. What's really cool is Millbridge, they race on Tuesday and Wednesday, so during the week, you can go race with your kids and enjoy the family yeah that that is a cool deal i i love it 
remember we had Randy Burnett or Randall Burnett, right. Jeff on our show. Well, his brother Jeremy and his wife own Millbridge. It's right over here in Salisbury, North okay, Carolina. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, they, I went over there last Saturday night. Yeah, it was fun. But uh, what's it like? I, I, I talked to a couple what, drivers, past drivers over there this past Saturday night that are watching and. They shouldn't say they're watching. Their kids are out running around playing, and they're working their guts out on their car. Then they got to run and find them for them to race. <laughs> but, it, but 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 everybody yeah. loves it. They just think it's the greatest thing in the world. I I assume that's your opinion of it too. The kids have a uh, nice, structured, fun place to hang out and play and race. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what that's how I I was raised doing the same stuff, doing go karts. And dad chased me down. We were just hanging out with all our friends, and now that seeing my my daughter's doing the same thing, I have to run her down and shove her in the car because we're gonna miss miss race if not. Um, <laughs> as as it's ninety eight degrees and you got sweat coming out every inch of your body, and uh, he, he wouldn't change it for the world. And I, I got a funny story. It was she did really good in the heat race, and she won her heat race, and so she started fourth in the in the main event, and she absolutely bunched the start i mean just did not know they, they took off by the time she got turned one she's pretty much last huh. and i and then she gets going and then she keeps starts going and they run the rest of the thing green and she picks up a few spots and and i asked her after the race elderly what what happened what, what, what happened that start i forgot we were going green <laughs> oh my god as I got sweat running down my back, going to every place on me, I forgot. All right, all right, as long as you got time. All right, let's try to forget next time. However, you might want to pay attention. Yeah, but, yeah, but those oh, things, yeah. those yeah. things happen. I mean, I remember I saw Mark Martin take the white flag one time. Thought it was the checkered flag. Thought he had won the race. Right? Happened at Bristol. Yeah. But, so he, he was on some interview. Right, so just... you know, I mean, it happens. Everybody has a brain fade. Well, they were, uh... Oh yeah, yeah. She, she, she did big time. I mean, just like I said, but honey, I and mean, I was just as nice. I mean, you don't want to. You're out there, you're having fun. That's that's our number one thing. Is we were out here to have fun. If you win, you run good. That's that's added bonus. And she's she like, yep, yep. But she she forgot. And I'm like, well, there. It, after like the second row of cars went by you, do you think you should have got at that gas at that point? <laughs> You know, it's I'll do better next time, Dad. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. To share a story that I was told last Saturday night, and I will just leave who it is out of the picture. But they're they're young youngster and Jeff. You you know you were around the legend cars and oh, yeah. the, the yeah, yeah. Bandolero cars and everything at Charlotte Motor Speedway for years. The kids and and painting this picture for everybody out there with Matt Deal is working with and, and all drivers work with with their kids and other just other people that are racing. Is that you? You bring all your stuff to the racetrack, and it's all as perfect as can be. And, and the kids are are in their race uniforms. They're little, right? They're so cute. They're all little. They get right. ear molds in, or got a Hans device on. They're walking through the pit area. Then all of a sudden, there are about four or five of them gather, and you notice they're they're sitting down in the dirt, playing in the dirt. <laughs> and Dad and all his helpers are working their guts out on the car. The only problem with them where the dirt was, it's about. 200 feet from the race car and they're calling your heat race and you see people running around trying to find the kids and getting them in getting them buckled up i just love it i thought it was the greatest thing in the world so and half of them have scooters they're cruising around the whole garage area their scooter or their skateboard and whatnot yeah i remember that stuff. yeah, yeah. 
So, Matt, we got five minutes left in our show. We appreciate you helping us out and being part of it and telling us about the early part of your career. And sounds like you just bought, brought up in it. You got your your daughter being brought up racing. What's what's in Matt Crafton's uh, immediate future other than racing that truck? You got any other business interest out there? Or are you building anything special, hot rods or anything like that? I have um, I have some commercial real estate. I own two two commercial real estate buildings in, in Mooresville and Talbert Point. I have an asphalt company, silk coat and company. Um, I, I can't have my hands a little bit of everything. Maybe maybe sometimes a little bit too much. And trying to find help these days is like, man, oh man. So maybe if anybody listens to this podcast, you're around the Mooresville area, you want to work. I mean, I'm hiring. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll be honest on that. Let's take a moment that everybody hears it. If someone wants to work for three-time Truck Series champion Matt Crafton, in one of his businesses, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, Toast T O S T E Construction in in Mooresville, North Carolina. They have an asphalt company, and you just call the phone number there, and you, you will get a hold of me. So, post construction? No, T T is not post T T. Sorry, T O S T. Yep, Toast Construction. Yep, okay. like you're eating toast. Toast. Okay, T O A S T Construction. Yep, Mooresville, North Carolina. And yep. once you sign on, do you get like a signing bonus of a autograph postcard of Matt Crafton or anything to go with it? Or uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you get lunch bottom. I'll buy you lunch or something. <laughs> you can get some zero card, whatever you need to do. I mean, well, last week I'm going to see the it, farmer's tan I have right now. I, I was literally last week. I'm set short-handed right now. I was seal coating a parking lot down here in Concord. Um, Steve Richardson, the one that builds seat yep. stuff. Like yeah, I was seal coating and crack filling that place for two and a half days. Me and two of my guys, and he's like, "Are you kidding me?" And so yeah, it's uh, I, I work with him when I need to. Look yeah. at that! Well, got to do three-time champion truck series driver. He's busting ass in a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm having a complete brain fade, and you help me out here, Matt. Who drives for GMS? A young boy, blonde-haired boy. What's uh? Oh gosh. I'm, there's a story behind this. There's Andrew's, Jackwood? No, no, he's been around. The other kid has been around for a while. I, I got I, I confuse names, but so I call this company to paint some fencing for me. Yeah. And deck yep. fencing and that. And uh I don't know if you know Bones that used to work for Braun or be around Race World a lot. So he yep, yep. but so Bones opens the door and he's oh, I'll get the guy, we'll get it and we'll come. I show up and here's Bones and a few other race car drivers painting the fence. <laughs> and it's like, well, hell, we all got to make money, you know. <laughs> I just thought it was funny when, when you just said that about the seal coating part. So, uh, well, we're excited oh, yeah. for you. I'm glad to hear that, uh, number one, you had an incredible, incredible driving career and, and still driving. And uh, the, the niceness of you, you drove for two owners. That's, uh, that's unheard of in motorsports. And congratulations to you. Congratulations on the additional businesses. If you need a demo model driveway to try out some new sealers, I, mean, I have yeah. one about 300 feet long. I'll be happy. We'll help you seal it. <laughs> there you go. All right. I'm I'm not, condo, yeah, I'm not yeah. <laughs> Jeff's got a parking spot in this condo project. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll seal that parking stall and make it look so good everybody else will want everything. There you go. Well, we want to give you a, a last minute. You got anything you want to plug, talk about, tell anybody else that's what you got going on? Otherwise, we're going to thank you a lot. Wow, that's 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 about it. And I appreciate everybody uh, listening and appreciate you having me on. And I said, hopefully, we can do it again later on and uh, we got a few more years left in 
in my racing career and hopefully I can go win another championship to at least tie Hornaday. Yeah, well, that, oh, that's that's a pretty impressive record right there, bud. I mean, you've done really well, and congratulations. And, uh, man, I'm just I, – I, the more we've talked, I'm just so impressed that you've been driving for, th- you know, uh, Thor there for so long. That's that's an incredible career. It, it's kind of unheard of. Yeah, yeah it is. So yeah. Great stuff, though. It's up to you, Jeff. Take us away. Three-time champion, tr- truck series champion, Matt Crafton, thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crossley and NASCAR Digital Media. See you next week.